I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey everybody, welcome back to Sweet the Ladies Guide to Bro Culture. My name is Gina Bloom and this is the podcast for I, a transgender stand-up comic, currently quarantined in sunny Van Nuys, California. Bring on some of my favorite funny ladies from all over the country to talk about their very first experiences with bro popular culture. This is movies uh, for dudes, TV shows for dudes, anything for dudes typically, although we're all locked in. So it's basically movies and TV shows at this point. We, we, we're not, we're not going to go outside anytime soon. And today, this is the season two finale I know that uh, listeners at the start of the season heard I, that I had great plans for this season, none of which have come to pass because life just threw us all a big curveball, but that's okay. We're, we're doing the best we can. And actually, I'm really excited because today on our season finale, uh, we have a very special treat starting with the topic of our, of our episode, and that is Adult Swim's Rick and Morty. Yes, Rick and Morty, the very famous uh, adult cartoon on Adult Swim, has run for the past four seasons. Uh, it is created by Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon, and the voices of the two titular characters are also done by Justin Roiland. And it is, it's a phenomenon. It, uh, it's one of the highest rated shows on cable. Uh it has won the Primetime Emmy for, for Best Animated Series, which we'll be talking about the episode that uh, got its Emmy Award. And um, yeah, it's huge. And it's huge on the internet. Uh, it has a very active fan and vocal fan base that we're going to be talking about. They're very concerned about um, Szechuan sauce and things like that. So we have, we have a lot to talk about. We're going to try to cram it all into an hour. And I do want to welcome my first guest. She has never ever ever experienced Rick and Morty ever before and she was she was uh adventurous enough to to join us for this show and watch four episodes please say hello to my good friend the lovely Nicole Blaine hello hello hi how are you I am so excited to talk about this because I had no idea what I was about to see. So this is like, this this blew my mind. I can't wait to jump in. So it was an honor to do the research to do this podcast. I, I am so excited. I'm so, I, I think you're the ideal guest because, you know, as, as, as a mom, as, as someone mm -hmm. who's, who's purview into the world of Rick an and old Morty lady. is very limited. Yeah. I don't think you'd have an opportunity to watch this show otherwise if it weren't for no. me. So, so you're quite welcome. If it wasn't uh, for you, I never would have watched it. So there you go. Uh, and our second guest, I am equally excited to bring her on. She is a writer for Rick and Morty. Yes, a writer for the show. She penned the season four finale, which I enjoyed greatly. Please say hello to the lovely Anne Lane. Hi, thanks for having me. 
Thank you. Oh my God. Oh, we what did. a treat. We did. Yeah. We got you on the show. This is, this is <laughs> this has been a this has been a long term project of mine. Truly, yeah. On my end too, I've sent a lot of emails just to make sure, like, oh, I'm gonna, yeah, it's great. I'm gonna just gonna go talk about the show. It's cool. I'm not gonna yeah. give away plot as though that actually happens. So we're not. We're, <laughs> we are not. A, we are not a spoiler show. We're not even gonna talk about uh, season four at all because that would be weird to make you defend your own episode. That would be, <laughs> be rather weird. It would be of fair. Me. No, I'd be. I'd, you know, I'm open. No, I, I, I'm sure you would be, but that I, I would be like, that's, that's, that's ask, that's asking a bit much. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I saw it uh, when it was out, and it was a lot of fun. So thank you oh, for bringing that uh, to the world. Thanks, I appreciate that. All right, Nicole Blaine, you've never yes. seen Rick and Morty. You saw four episodes, and those four episodes are uh, the season one episode uh, entitled. Gosh, what is that thing entitled? Rick Rick Potion number nine. Rick Potion six. number nine. Yes, the 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 Cronenberg episode mm -hmm. uh, you saw from season two, uh, interdimensional cable number two, and then from season three we checked out the the season one, uh, the Rick Shank Redemption, and the uh, the Emmy winning episode Pickle Rick. Those are the episodes we checked oh, out. That's what won the Emmy. That's the one that okay. won the Emmy. So uh, and uh -huh. and. They form a like a like a little short film, I think. Like you can actually, if you watch them all in sequence, they you can actually get a pretty good idea uh, what the the narrative of the show to that point had been. So, mm -hmm. Nicole, let us know what you think. All right. Well, here's the thing. Here's I the thing. am some. Here's the thing. I'm someone who makes a lot of decisions before yeah. I do them. Like I like to look at people and decide I hate them or I want to make out with them. Like it's, it's instant. I am a hundred percent black and white. When I saw Mystic River with Sean Penn um, and it was like four hours long, I wanted to kill myself through every single minute of it. And it was when I kept looking around going, how, how are people watching this? I don't, so I either love things or I hate things. And I will tell you that I already decided how I felt about the show before I saw the show. And I, as a 43-year-old mother, okay, who only loves serial dark comedy dramas and is a stand-up comedian, so makes me extra hateful and spiteful, I was so excited to shit all over the show and be like, I hate it. It's the dumbest thing ever. Um, this is why I'm so glad I haven't wasted any minutes of my life watching this. And I sat down and I turned it on and um, I was like, Fuck me, it's genius. I <laughs> cannot believe I've been missing the party that oh. no one invited me to. It blew my mind. I, I can't even believe how good it is. That's and I'm ashamed, I'm ashamed to say that no. I'm listening to the party. I think that if a party is surrounded by very loud, obnoxious people doing really loud, obnoxious, and considerate things in yeah. the name of the party, then that's really you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I need to get into the mix. Yeah, yeah. No. So I get that, and I get that I'm not cool enough to be invited. So <laughs> I love that I uh, found the most uncool <laughs> pathway into this, where I was like, who? never seen this and like probably everyone was like no we've all seen this I'm the, I'm the only one Gina could find uh that hasn't seen Rick and Morty so but here's what was I'm fun so about excited it. for I, your thoughts yeah I know here's the thing I the first episode so Rick Potion number nine which is ultimately yeah. about a virus that is contagious oh yeah that that and, was that was the, such a mind fuck at this time yeah yeah. 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 It was it was so on point. Now, of course, like here's the other thing as I'm watching this, I'm going, as soon as it opens, and I've never seen any of these characters before, I was like, oh, this guy is like, you know, the crazy doc scientist from Back to the Future. Okay. And then the kid walks in, his grandson, Morty, right? Yeah, yeah. And and I'm like, oh, he's wearing a suit and tie. That's totally just like Alfie. Keaton, Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future in every role we know. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that's how they pitched it. Uh, yes, I was correct. Like within yes. five seconds, right? Is that what you, that's how it was pitched probably? I think okay. it, 
had their, they put out a short and then it was picked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, that's <laughs> okay. true. That's that's how that's so, how it was. That's how it was picked up originally from like channel one one hundred one. Doc and Marty and Rick and Morty. So it's like the yeah, it's a direct right. Absolutely. Right. So my husband, yeah, my husband walks in within like ten minutes. He's like, "So what do you think?" And I was like, "I don't know if this is crazy, but like, I think it's like a Back to the Future setup with the with the dynamic of these two. And he's like, "Nicole, it's called Rick and Morty." Like, oh. yeah, Doc <laughs> and Marty. Where? What? I mean, I mean, it took you ten minutes to figure that out. I'm so um, sorry. <laughs> I jumped in. <laughs> no, but the best part was that like that's how much of a virgin I am to the show. I was like, you know. <laughs> And I'm so much of a mansplainer that I was like, hold on, pause your story. Let me tell you the punchline. (laughs) I love love that. Yes. Um, But then my favorite thing about the family dynamic in this first episode of, well, my first episode, this one. Yes. Was seeing that the husband and wife, the parents, hate each other. And, and the way that they talk to each other. And I don't know if it was in that episode or another episode where it was one of those things where like, look, either fix, you know, get a divorce or go to counseling, right? Yep, that was that episode, and I was like, yeah. What a creative way for me to immediately understand everyone's role in this family. <laughs> the characters are so clear and so well-defined and sadly, incredibly relatable, right? Like, <laughs> That whose parents aren't either, especially in quarantine, yes. right? You are either in a divorce or you're about to get divorced. Like, no one, right. no one is not. <laughs> oh, that's that's yeah. It's 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 delightful how it's delightful how flawed everyone is. Like, I'm 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 always yeah. It's it, digging into that kind of stuff is my favorite part of of the show. Is is just being like, yeah, but like, what's the gritty reality of living with someone you might pity? Uh-oh. Yeah. 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 I I have I have a confession too. I actually had never seen Rick and Morty until until about six weeks into quarantine myself. Um (laughs) for the same reason that and the same reason that you mentioned, like the like the 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 volume, not just not just the not just the fanboys on like Twitter and things like that, but just the fact that I'm kind of naturally rebellious and like so many of my comedy friends were like into it i'm like it cannot be as good as you say no i refuse i refuse to think that this that this adult swim show is so smart and like and i got so into it i was like oh my god no and i and i'm and i'm reading like like reddit posts and i'm getting like (laughs) just turning into just a total freaking neckbeard about it and like it it just does that to you yeah i don't know how you guys as writers see and this is why i also feel like i fell in love with it immediately because my comedy my stand-up is very much like it all it's chronological if it were to be you know i'm a narrator like i really tell stories from beginning middle and end i would never think of the absurdity that goes on with the show, which is what I love most about, if I have to say what I like about comedy, it's something I can't do, which is write for something so absurd. Like how in a writer's room would you even break down something that goes into, because you guys have every universe that you can go to and then make up universes. And and, and also you jump through time very interestingly in the story, like all of a sudden I realized the characters were like, to like so that happened and now it's over and then this other problem happened it's already solved and here's that right like it's interesting like the pacing of it actually kind of jumps fast yeah to like get some of the like science things you know what i mean yeah how do you guys think of this shit? <laughs> i think i mean i think everyone has a different there's like i i joined it season four and then have been writing season for season five and season six and the way that i think there's no way to write it. There's just um, approaching the problem of we can do anything. Rick can do anything, but why? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. why? Uh-huh. And then I think that's where some of the absurdity uh-huh. comes is that like under that gaze, you're going, I mean, a story about like, I don't know, having a bake sale at school that would happen in most sitcoms that are about dysfunctional families that you're like, oh, I can see the whole family relating to this and dealing with this. And oh, everyone's got their thing. Uh, and you can imagine that, except it's about Rick and Morty. It's not about the Smith family. It's about the fact that there's this man who could do anything, and yet he's living in his daughter's house, uh, working out of her basement, 
avoiding growth and change. Yeah. Uh, and that's his show. And it's fun and it's funny and it's dumb. Uh, but but then the dark parts, I for me, I think, come from the emotional reality of he's living with people. <laughs> like, they love him. He loves them. He's a human. It sucks. Yeah. Well, the love-hate relationship that they all the characters have for each other, because I can tell they all have, like, the brother-sister dynamic mm -hmm. is love-hate. The, the mother love-hates everybody, right? Yeah. Like, and herself. I mean, it's so deep. And, and that's the thing is that we are all those people. Like, I can't believe how rich these relationships are in, within seconds. And I don't know if it's because it's an archetype in the way that all writing can be so beautifully archetypal. Mm -hmm. Or like you said, when you were saying, well, so what's the why, right? Like, what are these crazy people's motivations? And mm -hmm. it ended up being so relatable. I mean, it's br it's brilliant. I literally feel like my mind was blown. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, look yeah, at that. Like, look at that. And, and we, we have we have like a lifelong fan that we have made. <laughs> this is, is going to get weird. I mean, how did, how did you even get hired for this show? Like, who I know. What happened? I, 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 you know, I was a, a big fan of the show before I got I'm hired. Sure. I even described plot point for plot point the episode of Pickle Rick to a boyfriend at the time that uh -huh. ended up not, we did, that didn't go great. But uh, he, he, I, I was like so into it. He's like, yeah, it sounds like emotional, remedial emotional classes for uh, man boys. And I was like, I mean, that's part of it. Okay, that, sure. Yeah, a little that's bit. Sure. Yeah, like and like and she said all this stuff. And it was anyway. But so I wrote uh, I wrote an animated spec or an animated uh, original pilot, and mm -hmm. I had sent it to a friend, and she is the incredible uh, owner of the uh, co-owner of the dynasty typewriter theater in oh, LA. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, she's Vanessa nice. Ragland. She's one of the Vanessa, most delightful yeah. people in the world. Like I, it's, she's such yeah. a treat. Yeah. Everybody uh, says that about Vanessa. Oh my gosh, yes, she's by far like the coolest, and she's got the coolest kids and husband and life. Like I want to be her. Um, and <laughs> she, um, they, they were doing Harmontown at the, theater and they asked her if she knew of anyone who had samples that were like sort of Rick and Morty E and because I had been throwing my sample at her a bunch being like can I make this house and she sent that and that's and then that's and then did an interview and uh yeah so just nice oh my god yeah, well, was, I love all the women helping yes. me like thank you so much <laughs> that is so beautiful so how was that interview? I'm, I'm so like, how were you shaking? Like, what was that? Oh, yeah. I, it was so fun, though. It was relieving. It was with Mike McMahon, who was show running season four and has since gone on to do Solar Opposites and Star Trek Lower Decks. And he's so talented and, and kind and great. And it's like, it felt like interviewing to go to like a summer camp. Uh, that was the best. And like everything I mentioned, I was like, oh, well, you know, my favorite uh physicist is is Richard Feynman obviously and he was like oh yeah Richard Feynman and you're just like going off on like little tangents and then coming back and I just like ended the interview just being like hey I, you know however this goes this is really nice <laughs> like cool to meet mm -hmm. other nerds mm -hmm. uh and that's been the the cool thing about working at Rick and Morty is that everyone is very cool everyone's really nice really like works hard and I don't spend a dream yeah, I, I gotta I gotta say that you know before I watched the show, it was intimidating to to want to watch it because it didn't seem it didn't seem friendly because of its reputation. Yeah. Um, but like, but then hearing you describe like the you know the interview and like the showrunner and the staff, it totally makes sense that it would it'd be a bunch of like Feynman nerds because <laughs> of course, like who else who else would think of this stuff? And like, I was watching it. Uh, like I said, just a few weeks into quarantine and I got through the first few episodes and I, this is fun. This is diverting. This is, this is, you know, I'm in quarantine. I, um, I need something to pass the time. And then when I saw this episode from the first season, um, the, the, the Cronenberg episode, I was like, wow, okay. I've been wanting to see this happen forever. Uh, when, when I was a little kid, I wrote this story about, time travelers right it was it was like a back to the future thing as well uh awesome. these two time travelers 
and and they had somehow made themselves immortal. I don't remember exactly how I how I justified it, but they they had a time machine and they 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 needed to get back to a certain date, and they fucked up and they overshot the date, so they went too far back in time and they broke their time machine. But because they were immortal, they literally had to to wait around three hundred years. That's for, awesome. for for the event to happen that they that they traveled back in time for and then oh, and then so the funny. joke was when when it came time to actually do the thing that they were supposed to do they're waiting 300 years for they overslept and missed it <laughs> so i was like like finally someone has done this kind of humor right and like proved to my like 12 year old self that that i was right all along and i think that's I think that's why I really like the show because I identify with Rick and his his desire to be right under all circumstances, <laughs> no matter what. Yeah, always taking the high road. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So that that's what did it for me. I am going to play the first clip uh, from that episode. This is this is uh, where Rick and Morty are sort of surveying the scene, all the damage that the two of them have done to the universe. Right before they they do the thing that that like really impressed me, they they you know with the alternate universes they they did the thing that I I'd always wanted to see, which was just to basically say fuck it, we fucked up this universe beyond repair, and and we're gonna leave. That's it. Like that's that's the solution they came up with, and like that I thought that was so damn clever. So thank you, you guys, for validating my personal experience. So. We're going to watch that scene, and I'm going to share it on the Zoom coming right up. Boy, Morty, I really cronenberg the world up, didn't I? You got a whole planet of Cronenbergs walking around down there, Morty. Yeah, at least they're not in love with you anymore, though. It's a huge step in the right direction. Oh, my God. It's a living nightmare. How could you be so irresponsible, Rick? Me irresponsible? You, all I wanted you to do was hand me a screwdriver, Morty. You're the one who wanted me, wanted me to buckle down and make you up a roofie juice serum so you could roofie that poor girl at your school. I mean, are you kidding me, Morty? You're going to try to take the high road on this one? You, you, you're a little creep, Morty. You're, 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 you're just a little creepy creep person. All right, fine. I should have just listened to you when you refused to make the serum. I'm willing to accept my part of the blame for this, Rick, but I'll tell you something. You know what? You got to accept your part of the blame. I'm not the one who fouled up the serum. I'm not the one who, 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 who haphazardly, you know, mixed a bunch of nonsense together and created a bunch of Cronenbergs. You got to fix this, Rick. All right, all right, Morty. You know, we, we, we are in a pretty deep hole here, but I do have one emergency solution that I can use. It'll kind of put everything back to normal, relatively speaking. Here, Morty, put this on while I do a little bit of scouting. All right, and it, and it is at that point that uh, Rick and Morty take over for a universe where they had died, but had somehow, through some deus ex machina, solved uh, the Cronenberg problem. So, so I, anyway, like I said, I saw that and I was like, oh, fuck. All right, I'm into the show. I, I yeah. guess. <laughs> I feel like it's yeah. a... It's a it's a way to say there's no jumping there's every 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 episode tries to jump the shark now like it's it's yeah, it, yeah. And, and now it's impossible too because anything it, yeah anyway sorry I feel like I shouldn't be uh, <laughs> so, no, okay, I want to hear I wanna, about right. I want to hear your thoughts about it yeah it was it was the whole episode like it was one of those things where I was like I thought it was going to be dumb right and so uh -huh. that and then it's so actually so smart and so that's the thing is that that's I always wonder like does and i always want to know this does the writer creator um are they intending there to be these big huge symbolic messages or do we as an audience start applying our own ideas of what we think it is I think a little this little that like i think that the there i think that we we write from a place of of just sort of asking ourselves what things mean to us or don't mean to us and if we take the reality of everything is dispensable including the universe we live in what are the stories we're going to tell if we're a self-hating narcissist who's really into hedonistic pleasures and for some reason has to like go on adventures with a 14 year old like these are it's like a fun like i i think i don't know it's um and then it's so fun to watch how dumb it can be like just then watching that clip of like how they they're fighting the way that like you'd fight your parents as a kid like it's so yeah. I, I just like the raw emotionality between the two of them <laughs> yeah 
That's exactly. Now, wait. So the one of the creators voices both of those characters. Mm -hmm. Justin Roiland. He's uh, Rick and Morty. So does yeah. he do that in the writers room? Is that weird? It's awesome. Uh, he does that. He, he yeah. speaks like them sometimes. Yeah. If you uh, if you pitch if you pitch something, he'll he'll jump on and and, and sort of riff with you, and it's very. Cool. But uh, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. It's really it's really neat. And then. You know, Dan uh, Harmon has a cool, like, his point of view is very erudite and he enjoys high-roading and explaining. And he has a lot of, like, really intriguing, like, he's, you know, he's a good soapboxer. And so, like, a lot of what he believes or says or finds funny or interesting will sort of become a Rick point of view. Um, I think because it sort of represents, like, well, why make this show? You know, and right. like, yeah, because this is what we like. Here's what's going on. <laughs> I, I think that's how interesting. It, yeah, go, go ahead, Nicole. I was just say how much of it, like, it's interesting because normally I like serial shows, right, where there's way more of like plot lines that develop and stuff like that. So what I thought was interesting was I assume that these are all totally separate. And once you get the characters, you know, there's not necessarily you have to watch them in a certain order. But then I thought what was interesting was like, the very last episode I watched, so it was in season three, Pickle Rick, um, they were already divorced. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's continuity. Yeah. It like- Yeah, there's, like I was like, oh my God, this got even more exciting. They're somehow even taking these <laughs> emotional character layers and like, I, when is the last time I saw a sitcom cartoon where there was right. a divorce? Did I, like, is there an episode about the divorce? Do they get divorced in an episode? Yeah, there's a season, well, there's a season leading up to the divorce and the season that begins with them living in different apartments uh, or different, he's in his own apartment and it's, there's a cold open that I really like that is like, Jerry in his sad bachelor pad and just like little moments, like minutia, little moments of his like daily routine and him just going through them. And it's like the, the bleakest thing I've ever seen. So, and, but he's not written off because like in- No, no, no not at all. Okay. I love Jerry so much. Uh, yeah. Jerry is, I, I oh. big Jerry head. He's a cool guy. Yeah. He's, that, he's, it's perfect. That character is so flawless. So then I was like, oh, I hope they didn't like divorce him slash kill him off. Which no, is no. he, he hangs no. he hangs on and like his his fortunes rise and fall okay, I, mean, good. I mean i mean i mean they mostly fall but like he <laughs> he does he does get a little bit of respect that before he squanders it again i think he has like one power that rick doesn't have that we don't like that rick wouldn't value obviously and would probably say is a weakness but it's just the ability to sort of emotionally grow and learn and be vulnerable like jerry is often humiliated and he's aware that he is the 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 not the smart partner not the cool partner uh and he's okay with that to and and that's part of his being and that's sort of admirable and beautiful in its own way uh yeah. he represents something that i think is beyond rick and beth it's just like what how what's simple man yeah yeah and i, I think you really need that character in the show because otherwise i mean he gets shit on by everybody like he's he's he for one thing he's he's the ultimate whipping boy on the show but like you you need to have that vulnerability in the show because otherwise it gets too nihilistic like you've got rick and then you know his daughter is is like a little rick and then <laughs> and then morty his arc is just he becomes more rick-like throughout the show as as he gets as like he gets you know exposed to this like multiverse and he just learns that nothing really means anything anymore because life is is as cheap as rick says it is so you need to have someone that is like is always optimistic no matter how much he gets shit on I yeah, think, I think Jerry is absolutely like the the heart of the show. We are gonna oh. watch the next clip, um, and I I this is from Interdimensional Cable. Uh, I threw this in here because it is it is my favorite clip of the series. Um, ah. uh, it's such a it's such a goofy moment, and it is the it. So Interdimensional Cable is uh, if it wasn't clear because this is a this is a the second installment of this particular trope. Rick, uh, he hacks the cable box so that it picks up cable from all of the all of the dimensions where things just logic isn't quite logic anymore. So you're watching, you know, 
TV from some other some other realm that has different physics going on. So uh, I this thing made me laugh so loud, and I think my my roommate hated me when this episode came <laughs> out. So we're gonna watch the the how they do it Plumbus segment, which is my favorite one minute from this entire series. I don't care if it, how goofy it is. We're gonna watch it oh, right now. It. Coming up. Today on How They Do It, Plumbuses. Everyone has a Plumbus in their home. First, they take the Dingle Bop and they smooth it out with a bunch of Schleem. The Schleem is then repurposed for later batches. They take the Dingle Bop and they push it through the Grumbo where the Fleeb is rubbed against it. It's important that the Fleeb is rubbed because the Fleeb has all of the Fleeb juice. Then a Schlami shows up and he rubs it and spits on it. They cut the Fleeb. There's several hizzards in the way. The Blamps rub against the Chumbles and the Plubus and Grumbo are shaved away. That leaves you with a regular old Plumbus. I always wondered how uh, Plumbuses got made. All right, this clip comes very close, very, very close to why I generally don't like Adult Swim shows is because they're just too ironic and they're too, they're too conceptual and like I don't have, like, they don't, like, they, I don't get like a tether to this is a bunch of weird stoner stuff going on but because <laughs> but because they they did the very specific thing with that how it got made show from cable with the with the cheesy synth music and everything like i was like yes. oh, this is wonderful like it, it's such a fine line for me to like if you, if you come close to annoying me but you don't uh, then you get like my undying respect <laughs> yeah you go just up to the point of uh uh someone's patience and, and then and then right. yes yes yeah. um yeah i mean i think that that's one that shows how talented the uh art the art team is they're so like writing uh, an episode or whatever like the interdimensional episodes uh that's justin just ripping in the booth uh and um then they get this raw material and they turn it into like i mean it's it's gorgeous they're they're uh I'm just blown away by them. Yeah, how much does he get to kind of help conceptualize all the art for it? So is that as kind of, do, did he just hire the right team and like they just all he's an artist it? As, yeah, he's an artist as well. So a lot of the, like if he's in the room, he can just like draw up what he's thinking of oh. and stuff, which is very cool. Uh, and um but yeah, no, I think a lot of a lot of the team have been there since uh, season one, so it's sort of like a wow. a cool, yeah, all buddies. Um, yeah, because I always wonder, like, so I used to before knowing, like, does the voice come first? Does the animation come first? You know, like, how like much are the animators involved with the writers? So you don't ever meet the animators, right? But like the creators we, work close with them. Yeah, when we are when the. In the before quarantine times, we uh, we shared a, a floor of an office with the uh, animators and artists, like the whole uh, and the casting and the um, yeah, the whole show kind of runs out of one uh, floor in Burbank, uh, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, and uh, and so yeah, you you get to and whenever we launch an episode, um, the writer and the director and the heads of each department will be there going through each page of the script and sort of just conferring about like what the you know what the, the the beat of each moment is and what what the artists are thinking for it and like there's like this is where i i love going to these meetings because i'll like be like i don't know i just wrote they're in a room in space and they're like yeah so i'm thinking like fifth element you know that one scene where, like and they're so they've got the best like mm, so they're just, coming into it with all those details yeah yeah wow. so how fast from when you guys finalize the script and you hand it over to the animators. What's the turnaround on that? It's very fast. They're they're really really good. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think another thing is the scripts aren't quite finalized at really any point until uh, any until they're out. <laughs> like I think uh -huh. it's a it's a show where we get a lot of uh, leeway from um, everyone to like go like oh hey we actually re rewrote this second act and now it's no longer in space now it's in blah blah, blah. like it's it's uh 
I think we're very lucky because I don't think that that's, um, I think that it's, it's, it's a, uh, uh, bit of a privilege to be able to do that because it's expensive, uh, for their time and I'm sure frustrating uh, yeah. for the artists. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Are you thinking about getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Maybe you're looking to expand your horizons as a DM or a player. If that's the case, then it's time for you to check out The Dungeon Cast, the best D&D podcast out there that helps you passively learn all about the game just by listening. Find The Dungeon Cast anywhere you get podcasts or on YouTube. And you said that for this particular episode and the and the one before it, uh, the other Interdimensional Cable episode, that it's just basically just Justin Roiland riffing? Is that what you said? He just, he just comes up with stuff and then they animate around it or uh yeah for the interdimensional cable episodes he and his he and some buddies uh because there's only there's only two but for both of them they uh the, he and his friends would get um get drunk in the booth and just like make each other laugh uh <laughs> yeah, that's amazing yeah there'd be like a you know like as, as you, there'd be like a list of like kind of jumping off points if they'd want it but it's mostly just like it's a show called Two Brothers, Two Brothers, and you know, like just, just it's it's all very Justin's point of view, and like he's pretty inimitable. Like his his silliness is contagious and and really fun to watch. So yeah, I think that's what that those is. episodes harness. <laughs> well, that's why. And so when you're working with geniuses like that, then how in a writer's room do you feel like given the like space to take and like contribute? Is that super intimidating? It, it was at first, but then I think um, the cool thing is that when, at least for my experience, when you write something that feels personal and weird and like kind of like too close to your own family or like just the way that like, I don't know, I love writing Summer and Beth and uh, I loving, love writing Home Beth and Space Beth, like the two different like, and yes. I think the more specific you come to it with the point of view, the more it will the, the higher likelihood it'll 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 land I think with mm-hmm. everyone um, because I think what Justin and Dan do really well is you know like you were saying with like the references to like those 80s like movies and like the like the, the archetypes and everything like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they're just sort of um, ways that we can communicate how our own childhoods felt you know <laughs> just like Here's how it felt to be in a house where mom and dad were not that stable, and grandpa was my only friend, and he was abusive as hell. <laughs> like, just, I don't yeah, know. It's, it's a pretty way, personal thing. Yeah, the way that they talk to each other with all the like fuck yous, you know, uh-huh. between everything from the children to the grandparents to down to this to everyone, it was like someone wrote my actual life. <laughs> and I made my daughter, just so you know, I was, I was supposed to be putting her to bed last night, which means like I have to watch, I don't know, funny thing, actually, she's obsessed with Family Guy. So I was like, hey, if we could just take a second away from Family Guy for one second, I appreciate it, but we're going to watch Rick and Morty tonight because I, I have an assignment. And she's like, I don't want to watch that. And no joke, they're sitting around like the kitchen table and the mom is, bar- I think it actually was the, um, or the therapy scene. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 So so not that I want to jump, but I wrote this down because my no, daughter for it. made yes. such a great comment. I couldn't believe she said this. And I was like, well, now I have to say this. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm uh the mom in the therapy session says uh to the therapist, fuck you. And then she turns to the kids and she goes, and fuck you too. <laughs> and this is the this is the episode I'm showing my daughter, right? And she looks at me and she goes, Oh my god, that mom sounds exactly like you. <laughs> 
from my 12 year old. Oh, oh that, wow. That, so, I, that is the highest praise a show has ever gotten on, on this show. This. Yes. That makes yeah, me so happy. <laughs> because I mean, I don't know what other families are like, but like we're all just yelling "fuck you" to each other. Yeah, like, all the time. yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're always we always kind of have in our back pocket the thing to say if the other person says the thing that like this other person doesn't know yet in the family. Like it's it's the, the dynamics of like a family and living under one roof and being such different. I yeah, I I, I gravitate towards that as well. Um, well, and, and I want to know, like, why are, I mean, why did we have to wait for a family to be so normal in cartoon world, right? Like, it's like, it is so strangely unrealistic and so realistic yeah. because of these characters talking uh, to each other like that. It, it's interesting that, that you mentioned Family Guy, Nicole, that it's, again, this is one of the things that kept me from this show for, for years is that I fucking hate Family Guy and, and hey whatever tastes are subjective but like i i cannot i i that's one of those shows that it's just so it's just so nihilistic for nihilism's sake that it really turned me off mm -hmm. and like i was afraid that rick and morty with its you know with its reputation was going to be like sort of the, the ultimate like mega version of family guy and, it, and like it's not though because they're because mm -mm. they are so really realistically flawed and like I don't know. It's it's watch Anne's episode. It, the, the good thing the good thing is is that Anne wrote the season finale for four, which is the last season that has come out. So, so like excited. so like you can work your way up to the episode that she has solo credit on, <laughs> and like oh it God. ends on such a somber note that oh. it's it's really it's really emotional like in and in a way that family guy or shows like that could never be or, or simpsons hasn't been able to do in like you know 15 years and like it was really impressive like wow this is this is just good storytelling like i like this is just solid like three act storytelling and all the stuff that has come before it and yes it's it you know at this point he has two versions of his daughter running around that 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 <laughs> both grow to hate him and like it's 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 really absurd on its face but like you guys really keep the human element in there which i think Thanks. for discerning fancy ladies like nicole and i is 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 a requirement for us to, to stick with it <laughs> i well, appreciate that, that yeah yeah i mean i now i'm dying to see your episode so oh. now that i'm your, now that i'm your super fan I don't think the show is for bro culture. I think it's for 40 year old women. I yeah, think that you I give you, that's how I write my episodes I write. I, I wrote one for season five and, and one for season six. Um, and I, I like writing from a place of, Beth is kind of the best character possible because she deals with all of this shit and she is kind of a Rick and he's in, but like, yeah, like you said, it's, I think I understand why bro culture has, uh, you know, historically, uh, really boosted the show's visibility. Um, yeah. But I, I think that they're missing a lot of those fans. I think they don't know that Rick is a cautionary tale. But... I, they absolutely don't. So, uh, all right, I, I did want to circle back on that because we're we're gonna go now to the to the infamous Szechuan sauce clip, which you wouldn't think <laughs> is which you wouldn't think is infamous. It's such a it's such a throwaway moment in the show. But it it has it it has defined the show's reputation probably more than anything else. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna watch uh, Rick uh, talk about Szechuan sauce uh, from the Rick Shank Redemption. That's uh, the season three opener coming up. Where are we going? To the day it all began and ended, the moment that changed everything. Welcome to McDonald's. Can I take your order? Yeah, I'd like to get a 10-piece McNugget and uh, a bunch of the Szechuan sauce. Like, as much as you're allowed to give me. In, in 1998, they had this promotion for the Disney film Mulan, where they where they, they, they created a new sauce for the McNuggets called Szechuan sauce. And it's delicious. And then they got rid of it, and now it's gone. This is the only place we're going to be able to try it is in my memory. Rick, you're doing this bit while your brain is melting. Okay, all right, all right. Is that me? I used to wear blue pants. Imagine doing anything you want, then hopping to a timeline where you never did it. Imagine going anywhere, anytime, with nobody able to stop you. Sounds lonely. 
Lonely? Dude, you have yourself. Your infinite selves. It's a non-stop party where all the guests are the only person we like. You think it's cool being the smartest man on Earth, but once we give you this technology, you become the smartest thing in every conceivable universe. The infinite Rick. A god. Eh, pass. Excuse me? Bro, Ricks don't pass on this. Who do you think you are? A different kind of Rick, I guess. Well, we'll see how long that lasts. Come on, girls! The ice cream's gonna melt! No! Wow, this sauce is f***ing amazing. You said it was promoting a movie? <laughs> okay, that was the, that was the initial Szechuan sauce scene, and then what we what we don't see is that Rick is actually playing a trick on the aliens that are trying to get the secret to interdimensional travel out of his mind. And he says that, you know, he invented this scene to basically pass them a computer virus. This gets very complicated. And, um, and that, you know, that's really not why he, why he invented travel. And then you find out at the end of the episode, he really did invent interdimensional travel just so he could get Szechuan sauce. <laughs> at least, at least according to the logic of that particular episode, then he turns really dark and like foreboding. Yeah. <laughs> like his, his whole, like, his whole like raison d'etre is just to like get Szechuan sauce from from McDonald's. Yeah. And then like weirdly the dudes on the internet just really gravitated toward this. Mm-hmm. And they just started they started demanding that McDonald's reissue Szechuan sauce. Oh really? And did oh, they? Oh yeah. And they did what? for like a very short period of time. And then they sold out and then they got angrier. <laughs> and there were like really? videos of like teenagers like jumping on McDonald's counters going, I want my Szechuan sauce. And like, you know, in the huh. context of their, you know, privileged lives, they're thinking this is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it's, it's ironic, but it still happened. Yeah. Exactly. It's, uh, it's not, that's not cool. Uh, nobody wants that from, no, no one who works on the show want, wants that response. Right. Right. Uh, and, but that's sort of the risky run. <laughs> Yeah, and and, and, and and like I, I don't want to put you on the spot with this. It wasn't wasn't like like I like I've read no. the creators, uh, you know, word on this. They're like, yeah, guys, don't do that. But like, <laughs> what what you'd mentioned, Anne, was that those guys, those kids, those those little dudes, they don't understand that Rick's a cautionary tale. It seems pretty obvious that he is. Like like there's like there's yeah. not. There's not really like any like masking going on. Rick is definitely not someone you want to emulate. It's someone that is someone that I identify with as like as a relatively smart person in in a stupid country. It's it's hard not to identify with Rick when you see everyone being a fucking idiot all around yeah. you. And like but it, it but like what it says to me is how lonely that ex- that experience is. Like how lonely it is to be smarter than most uh, everybody around you. Yeah. And that's the cautionary tale. I don't understand how they got I want to riot over Szechuan sauce out of that, but you know they're whatever. They're teenagers, they're dumb and that's that's <laughs> what teenagers do. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about me feeling like it's written for the 40-year-old woman, right? And these teenagers relating to it and seeing a totally different side to it, right? Cuz when I watched that clip, um and I watched it last the the full episode last night, I was like Oh, when he turns around and says that first comment of like, yeah, I used to wear blue pants. Like that level of throwaway genius comedy is also my favorite part of the show, right? Like, and, and clearly the punchline at the end that the aliens, you know, going, I love the session. So that's exactly what it is. It's a misdirect. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So that you look at that and you wouldn't say blue pants. You wouldn't look at that and say Szechuan sauce, right? Like, so the right. other time that they did that, that it stood out to me was, um, in the with the with the guns uh, and he maybe it was the maybe it was the one I was talking about with the people in the extra planet or maybe it's in Pickle Rick where at the very end there's like a duel and he's like don't shoot and like Morty comes in there's like mm-hmm. a there's a standoff between Rick and an alien yeah yeah that's from that that's from that episode that's from yes from the same one that was yes part? okay and he's yes. holding her hostage. Uh, the daughter, and he's like trying to figure out how to, you know, not shoot his granddaughter. 
uh, and involving Morty. And at the very end, it's like he picks up the thing that says, you know, read this. And therefore, like there was instructions on it. Right. Oh. Yeah. And, like, and the throwaway line is like, oh, good thing I read the note. But like, clearly yeah. he didn't. Like those, that's what's the layers of the show with the comedy. Right. Like, I don't know. Are the teenagers enjoying that part of the comedy as much as we are? I have no idea. Now we need to invite a teenager who has jumped on yes. cars. Yeah. That's one shot. And ask, like, are, you, are you getting the genius minutia? Yeah. This? Yeah, that's just what I need to edit someone farting into a microphone. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but yeah, what you're hitting on is exactly like that is that the undercuts are super fun. Like the going like, do you want to care? Because we told you that the, I mean, this is like, I, I love uh, the artist Lord and her uh, album Melodrama. And like she has that uh-huh. lyric of like, we told you this was melodrama. Like, I'm just like, it, it feels yeah. like. Hey, we told you nothing mattered. Come watch TV. So why do you give a shit what happened to Rick's actual daughter? Why do you care who uh, our Beth's actual father is? Or you know, like all that kind of stuff. I'm just like, ha ha, caught you caring. Which I think yeah. is sort of a teenage boy way to come about life. So I get why that's so uh-huh. I think probably some major things like, oh, oh man, this is cringe. You just you just had a emotion that's cringe dude like yeah well and is it is it this episode where they have to bury themselves their dead bodies that's i think the first interdimensional no no it's not no that is the episode yes Yes. yeah yeah no that's from the first from the first season that's from love potion but then they they also pay that off by returning to that dimension where they where they had they had ejected themselves from so these two uh, those two episodes are basically wow. two-parters. Geniusness. Geniusness. <laughs> but the sadness that his own, the little Morty felt when he was watching his own dead body have to get buried. Even the way that the artist drew the dead body. Yeah. And by the way that they mixed the sound. I don't even know. I should have been paying attention to what the music was. I was like <laughs> feeling it, right? Yeah. Like that's exactly right. You're getting me into these moments where I'm thinking like, wow like this is this is heavy and this is saying mm-hmm. something so because if it was just rick it would be like probably one of those adult swim cartoons where it's like yeah i don't know what my tether would be like i do like right. Rick. i love him as a character I, I i care about him which is my fault um but uh that's yeah that's what morty is is going oh man yeah yeah morty is Morty functions as like as the audience surrogate, but then he also gets compromised yeah. throughout the show and becomes more Rick-like. Which is, it's it's interesting that they have arcs. Uh-huh. Um, it's cool stuff. All right, we're gonna play one more clip. Uh, this is from Pickle Rick. This is this is such a good episode of television. Uh, you guys oh, deserve so this good. Emmy. This is so good. Uh, and, incredible. And yeah. I I love the fact that that. We were already talking about therapy because here is the here is where Rick Best shows up. Ever. <laughs> this is where Rick finally shows up as a pickle uh, and has to admit that he was lying about uh, his whole pickleness. Which, <laughs> it, it's it's such a dumb metaphor, but it it works really well. Oh, so, so perfect. So perfect. Uh, so we're gonna watch uh, one more clip. This is from Pickle Rick coming up. You must be Rick. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot about you today. Your family is crazy about you. Your daughter holds you in very high regard. You're a lucky fella. Yeah, thank you. Uh, sweetie, you don't still happen to have that syringe in your purse? Dad, I would like you to tell me what's in the syringe. It's a serum that I need to uh, to stay alive. I have had a rough day and uh i've sustained a lot of damage i'm I'm pretty close to death which the serum will prevent by changing you from a pickle to a human yes rick why did you lie to your daughter so i wouldn't have to come here why didn't you want to come here because i don't respect therapy because i'm a scientist because i invent transform create and destroy for a living and when i don't like something about the world i change it and i don't think going to a rented office in a strip mall to listen to some agent of averageness explain which words mean which feelings has ever helped anyone do anything i think it's helped a lot of people get comfortable and stop panicking which is a state of mind we value in the animals we eat but not something i want for myself i'm not a cow i'm a pickle when i feel like it so you asked. Rick, 
The only connection between your unquestionable intelligence and the sickness destroying your family is that everyone in your family, you included, use intelligence to justify sickness. You seem to alternate between viewing your own mind as an unstoppable force and as an inescapable curse. And I think it's because the only truly unapproachable concept for you is that it's your mind within your control. You chose to come here. You chose to talk to belittle my vocation, just as you chose to become a pickle. You are the master of your universe, and yet you are dripping with rat blood and feces, your enormous mind literally vegetating by your own hand. I have no doubt that you would be bored senseless by therapy, the same way I'm bored when I brush my teeth and wipe my ass. Because the thing about repairing, maintaining, and cleaning is, it's not an adventure. There's no way to do it so wrong you might die. It's just work. And the bottom line is, some people are okay going to work, and some people... Well, some people would rather die. Each of us gets to choose. That's our time. I'm going to give you guys my card and hope to hear from you again. And if you have any friends or family that eat poop and would like to stop, give them my number. Yeah, dude. That, that's therapy. That's, that is, that's the best therapy scene I've seen in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I I saw that and it reminded me of my mom's relationship with her father, who is a scientist, and he was like very name droppy and hung out with Feynman, not to brag, um, but was like <laughs> a toxicologist in Pasadena who like did all this cool shit uh, and like did a, had a very cool life, but completely, you know, neglected his family and like left his wife when she had like five kids uh in this you know 60s uh to live with his secretary and it was like just things like that where it's like oh grandpa ooh, and then i saw like yeah. him grow old and be like a version of himself that didn't have the control and the faculties that he once used to stay away from family and to stay away from being the person that needs anything and that was rough to see because it, you know, so that's what that episode made me think of. Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. No, and like, and that, what, what I think is so great about this episode is that you can have that very real reaction. And then I take from the episode uh, that again, I, you know, my identification with Rick as, as, as a reasonably educated person in America, it get, it feels lonely and like, and it's, it's easy to get angry. And I, that's what I take yeah. from, from Rick. And, then on the other hand there's the kids that are like fuck you i'm pickle rick uh, <laughs> on, on like their insta stories because that's what they take from it and that's fine you know hey whatever right it, it can be a lot of things to a lot of people fuck you on pickle rick can can totally be a catchphrase right we're fine with that well, and the genius so he, i would so who penned this episode was it uh, jessica gal she's incredible She's, uh, I think she's running She-Hulk right now. Wow. Cause yeah. this, this, I was, I mean, I know that everyone collaborates in the writer's room, so, you know, but the vulnerability of that, especially that scene, Gina, that was such a perfect, you know, placement of it, is that yeah. you've got this character, this bigger than everybody character who has been so stripped down, right, to having to use rat bones and feces and all these you know the blood and the guts like he's and he's dying and he's sitting and he finally comes to join in the family at his most weakest moment um and i do love how they get him into these weak moments so it, it keeps the complexity for the character um and then he's meets his match when he says you know he who was it well, either when we we're just listening, the average therapist that she's, you know, like the average vocational, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. And he completely dismisses her. And then she outsmarts him in a way. Like, there's not many people who can kind of put him in his place. Yeah, he's and the ultimate high road king. Yeah, right. Like, he can, he can justify and contextualize. He's very manipulative and he can put things into a perspective, no matter who he's talking to, that makes his point ultimately right. And so, yeah, and, it's so cool. Yeah. And, and I'm buying into it going, I agree. This is why I kind of can't stand therapy too, mm -hmm. even though I'm in it all the time. Yeah. And, no, same. And, right. I and therapy, then she, yeah. Yeah. And then she responds so geniusly and puts him in this place. And at the very end, goes, time's up. Like, <laughs> it's, that's the geniusness of the show. 
right? Which is also why I always wondered years and years and years ago when I was trying to figure out what's the difference between a half an hour drama and a soap opera, right? And and the soap opera doesn't say up, time's up, right? Like they continue the scene and that's yeah. why it's like it's so overdramatic. <laughs> but yeah. good drama and good comedy does exactly the like, we know when to cut, we know when to stop, we made our point and then we're gonna make a joke and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. And, and it's just, it's so perfectly timed. That's, mm-hmm. that's what's great. Oh. Yeah. I'll take the credit. This is before I wrote for the show. And, <laughs> but yeah, oh my God, I did such a good job. Um, but yeah, no, that's what I love about it too, is the undercuts. Like, yes. Yeah. And, uh, but also Anne's episode, season four, episode 10, has a lot of the same. In fact, this character comes back, does she not? In that episode, the, the therapist, she comes back briefly. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Wong makes another appearance. Yes, um, yes. So. Yeah, I, I love her. I love Dr. All right. This this has been a, this has been really fucking great. Uh, we're all we're all we're all a bunch of neckbeers li- living on, Rick <laughs> and that's okay. Uh-huh. Um, Nicole Blaine, uh, yes. we're gonna wrap it up. Uh, tell us, uh, has Rick and Morty experience of it? Has has it told you anything that you didn't already know about the world of men, the world of bros? Obviously, we took things that, like didn't have anything to do with men, which I think is great. Like, the, I, I'm not so rigid in, in the concept of this show that we can't just be like, oh, this is a show about women and this is a show about, you know, therapy and it's a show about, you know, families in crisis. And like, it is all of those things, so why not take that from it? And yeah, I didn't see there was any other way to take it. I cannot believe this is such a bro phenomenon. I'm serious. <laughs> I think this should be for, for middle-aged women housewives. This would be my show. I agree. I agree. This, this is, this is for, this is for people with complicated lives and mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. That, yeah. that could be anybody really. That could be anybody with dysfunctional Absolutely. families, uh, any of that. Uh, and uh, any final words, any final thoughts uh, on, on, on Rick and Morty? Um, you're a writer, obviously you, you have a lot of, <laughs> of input on it. But, you know, just now that we have, you know, three women from very different perspectives and, and not a dude in sight. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, um, my thoughts on Rick and Morty. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have anything like new or profound that we haven't really touched on. I just I feel like really happy and lucky to write for a show that like you know, you kind of have to go to work and go, I, uh, here's something personal about me, just by nature of, of what the show is, is, is deconstructing human relationships and human emotions and stuff, but through like the dumbest ways we can. And I don't know, it's, it's a privilege and an honor to work for, for that. And I appreciate you having me and uh, for, for talking. And also I totally get if there are like, yeah, I, 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 I never, I feel like I've been like so like effusively Rick and Morty this whole time, but like I also understand like some of my friends were like I don't like the burping, and, like also like yeah, there's there, certain I mean, episodes that you know there there there's more and less problematic moments uh, every every here and there. But <laughs> I did curate the episodes uh, around my own personal taste, so yeah, I, I picked like my four favorite episodes from the first three seasons. So there are there are episodes where I like less. It, mm-hmm. I, I can't say that you know it, it hits the heights every time, but like they're all enjoyable. I, there wasn't one that I didn't like. Yeah, so, and I, I think Nicole will probably feel the same way. I'm excited that I now get to cuddle with my daughter and get to watch Rick and Morty. Like I feel like you've changed oh. my life. <laughs> so because I'm done with Family Guy, I've been there, I've done that, and so I'm very excited that we can. And that's what's oh fun God, with kids, like, and that she. A 12-year-old. I know. I'm not letting my nine-year-old watch it. I'm, I'm not letting him do that. But the 12-year-old, it's great. Like, That's perfect. Is, yeah. It's bonding parenthood time, and and I can enjoy it as much as her, right? Like, that's what's nice when you yeah. have the kids aged up, and finally, like, I can show you waiting for Guffman, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's, it's so great. So uh, I'm excited that I get to share another thing with, like, the next generation. So oh, that's very keep writing. Cool. Make more could, for me, please. She can watch her mom in cartoon form. That <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me happy. All right, Nicole Blaine, let everyone listening know where where they can find you, where they they all can find oh, you sure. on the internet. 
Yeah, if you need any more like horrible mom stories, I just released a special. It's called Life's a Bit. You can get it through my website um, at NicoleBlaine.com or you can find it on Amazon. If you search on Amazon, Life's a Bit or my name, Nicole Blaine or iTunes. But I have a whole special that you can watch. And I have my own children playing themselves in the special. So oh my nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really nice. I make them actually act out the parts that gave me all the ideas for jokes about them. So I make fun of them, and then I make them get in on it. Uh, that's so that's where you can. That that is oh, so cool. Yeah. That is wonderful. All right, and Lane, same thing. Let everyone know where they can find you on the internet and otherwise. Uh, I'm a little bit on Twitter at Annie L Lane, and then sometimes on Instagram. I've been kind of stopping. I, uh, you know, I guess. Uh, Donate to Black Lives Matter is what I'll plug. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I really have like very little to be like, yeah, hey, check out my, yeah, but not, I feel like now I'm like so, seeming judgmental. Of, of, not at um, all, not at I, all. I, I'm just in a place where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm funny online anymore. Uh, <laughs> don't need to go out of your way, but if you'd like, that's fine. Or you can watch, or you can watch Rick and Morty. Hey, yeah. it's, it's, it's all, it's everywhere. So Absolutely. it's, it's really easy to find. Uh, and you can find me, uh, Gina Bloom at Gina Bloom, J-E-E-N-A-B-L-O-O-M. That's on all social media. And this is the last episode of the second season of Sweetly has Got to Bro Culture. We will be back in November after the election. We may be doing it from California, maybe doing it from Canada. We'll see what happens. That is that is not a joke. <laughs> By the way, I have yep. I have yep. my I have my escape plan already ready to go. So if 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 you find me at a at a Tim Hortons in Vancouver this fall, then that will tell you that we are truly in the darkest timeline. Uh, to reference <laughs> another Dan Harmon show. Uh, thank you, you guys. Thank you so oh, thanks much. Thanks for having me. This is a delight. Yeah, thank, thank you so much. I loved it. Yeah. And thank you to everyone listening to the second season. Like I said, we'll be back in a few months and uh, we'll all be st probably still locked indoors. Everybody have a great summer and fuck you. I'm Pickle Rick. <laughs>